inside. Amen. Amen. God is doing something on the inside. Amen. And we want to thank you for making the sacrifice. Oh, God, for being here this morning. And we pray God's going to bless you as you already start to bless most of us here this morning, our online congregation. We thank you for tuning on. And I hope you're feeling the same way we're feeling in the house of God this morning. Amen. The Spirit of God is moving. If I was home, I'd be feeling and worshiping the Lord just the same way. Because, amen. So just feel free to worship the Lord wherever you are. Walk around in your living room, in your dining room, in your bedroom. Just praise God this morning because He's worthy to be praised. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Serving an awesome God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise the name of the Lord. It's indeed a beautiful day to be alive and well. Amen. To be in his presence. You know, things are happening in the hours and the days that we're living in. Amen. You know, I was uh, getting a news alert yesterday. Uh, you know, the Supreme Court just passed a 5-4 to four ruling and uh, prior in California where, you know, it's okay to have your Bible study and okay to have your prayer meeting. You know, these are things that they're trying to stop because of the COVID stuff from going on. But listen, you know, when we as children of God get together in one accord, the Spirit said where the Spirit of God is, there is liberty regardless of what's going on. He said where the two or three are gathered together touching anything concerning it, He's there to bless. And we're here this morning to bless the name of the Lord because He's worthy to be praised. He has done so much for us. Amen. Where we're we can't uh, complain or, you know, get, you know, we just can't say it all because God is so good. You know, we're serving an awesome God. So we welcome each and every person that is here this morning. And we're so glad that you're here tuning with us this morning. Amen. You know, as I said in the 9 a.m. service this morning that we had a marriage meeting over the weekend, Friday evening and Saturday evening. And for those of you that weren't able to tune in, you know, it's going to be up or it should be up on our uh, Christ Center Church online or on Facebook uh, uh, posting. It should be up on either one of those postings so you can search for it. There is a lot of takeaway from the meeting that Pastor taught on Friday evening and Saturday morning. And oh my God, I was richly encouraged. I was richly blessed. There are some things that I know personally that I have to adjust to and change, you know, in my life. You know, sometimes we think that, uh, you know, the things that we're doing in our lives are the right things that we're doing and the right way we're going. But there are times that we need to change the way we're doing things. Amen. And sometimes the only way we can change is by us able to take eat to the word of God. Because when we take eat to the word, the scriptures are that word. Word have I hid in my heart that I may not sin against thee. Amen. Amen. So hide the word of God in your in your heart. Amen. Amen. We're gonna ask you to continue to worship with us this morning. Amen. And we'll give in this morning. And everyone say it's offering time. Amen. This is another way you can be blessed this morning. And amen. If you want to be a, you know truly a blessing this morning in the house of God, you know we want you to feel free to be a blessing. You know whatever the Lord laid on your heart to give this morning. If you want to give a little bit more, be a blessing this morning. You know we're trying to still get our church building, and we're still trying to raise 1.7 million. And let, let me be honest with you, and let me be frank. 
you know, there is a lot of people that are given to this endeavor, to our building fund. We're not there yet. You know, you've been given whatever you're given, and we greatly appreciate whatever you're given. And we ask you, give a little more if you can. You know, we're trying to reach 1.7 million. And when we do reach that 1.7 million, you will be the first one to hear about it. Amen. We want you to continue to be blessed. I want the Lord to continue to bless us. That way we can have one facility where everybody can congregate and meet together to praise and to magnify the Lord. Amen. Amen. So we're going to invite you at this time if you can stand with us. Amen. As we pray this morning. Amen. And ask the Lord's blessing upon our offering as we receive the offering this morning. Amen. Praise the name of the Lord. Amen. Remember, if you want to give online, you can give uh, to our cash app. It's uh, the dollar sign CCC2711. So give unto the Lord generously this morning. Bow your heads with us. Father God, we love you. We give you glory and honor, Lord God. We thank you for your many blessings. We thank you for being so good to us, Lord God. We thank you for the pra- your presence that we feel in this place this morning. And we ask you, Lord God, that you will continue to bless the remaining portion of the service. Oh, Father God, as we're about to give unto thee, we ask you to bless our givers. Oh, God, as we're about to, oh, God, continue to worship. We ask you to bless our online, oh, God, congregation and those of us that are in the house of God this morning. Let your will be done, your kingdom come, as we give you all the glory in the mighty name of Jesus we pray. And everybody said amen. Everybody said amen. Amen. Give unto the Lord this morning. Bring your tithes and offering out. Amen.
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Church, God is doing something in his house this morning. If you will just let him have his way in your thoughts, whatever he's doing in your heart, let him have his way. Let God have his way this morning. He brought us together for such a time as this. He's got great plans in store for you and I this morning. Oh, let him have his way. 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 Hallelujah. 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 Oh, God, we thank you this morning. We thank you this morning. Such a wonderful and beautiful morning to be in the house of the Lord. God is certainly, certainly shown up in our earlier service this morning at 9 a.m. and now in this service. And for some of you that might not understand, I, I just want you to know that when you've had experiences with God, you will know that it, it's unexplainable sometimes how as God begins to influence your thoughts, as God begins to influence your actions, It's really not that easy to explain, but you will see people's action become so, you know, unexplainable. Why are you running? Why are you just crying? Why are you shouting? Why are you just jumping? And these are the things that just begin to, you're not even doing it because that's how you set out to behave. You're doing it. Because the spirit of the Lord is doing something and sometimes you just don't know how to respond. So you just shake sometimes and sometimes you just cry out, you know, for me this morning, I was just so blessed. and I'm still so blessed that tears just well up in my eyes because when people of God and people respond to God, I just I am so pleased when we respond to God. But what you see here. Is biblical. If you go back to the Old Testament, the Bible says, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. And so if you go and you read Psalms 150, it tells you how to praise him in so many different ways. There's a text that says, clap your hands, all ye people, and shout unto God with a voice of triumph. And so these are just ways that we praise him because of what he's doing in our heart and what he's doing in our mind. And we just kind of just let him have his way in so many different ways. And so you are seeing what God is doing in individual lives and in this congregation. We welcome you this morning to Christ Centered Church. And I pray, I know some of you already will not leave the same way you came in. But I pray that some of you, others will join in, that before you leave, you'll make up in your mind, I am not going to leave the same way I arrived this morning. Amen. We have some guests with us, and before I get into the preaching of the Word of God, I would certainly love to acknowledge our guests and let them know how much we are grateful to have them. Amen. Let me see here. One. One. Juan, how are you, Juan? God bless you, Juan. Juan, good to have you this morning. Amen. Juan is the guest of Brother Ethan. Amen, Juan. Nice to have you. We're so grateful that you came by, and 
what we like to say is, you know, God orchestrated your visit here. So I can tell you this. You are here because of a divine appointment with God. God wanted you to be here this morning. So God used Ethan to encourage you to be here. But God was going to get you here one way or another. Ethan happened to be the chosen vessel. And here you are this morning, right where God wants you. Isn't that awesome? We welcome you, Juan. Amen. Where is Dorette? If I'm saying that correctly, Dorette. Amen. God bless you. Dorette, you have, uh, you know, I'm kind of jealous over there. You, you know, this is my first time seeing you. You have um, baby Madeline. That's my, that's my girl over there. I make her smile. You know, she, she responds real good to me. I hope she's smiling for you because she smiled for me. You know, that's a jealous guy talking. I hope she's smiling for you because she smiled for me. <laughs> Amen. Dorit, nice to have you. We're so grateful that you came to be with us this morning. She is a guest of Sister Sharp. So make sure you greet Dorit and Juan and let them know that you're grateful that they came. Uh, Deborah or Deborah. Deborah. How are you this morning, Deborah? Nice to have you. Amen. John might have some explaining to do. <laughs> I don't know if John told you Deborah about me. I don't know about this church. We're just like that. We just we can't help ourselves, you know. We just love people. And so, you know, we just insert ourselves in situations, you know, just because we love people. So we're glad to have you. We're glad you are a guest of John. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not going to start any trouble. I'm not going to start any trouble. Because Michael, Michael, I'm a troublemaker sometimes, right? Tell the truth. <laughs> I can do that. So I'm, good. I'm a troublemaker, right? Shauna, Shauna, Shauna. <laughs> what is going on? <laughs> Say, all right, all right, all right. They're saying, Pastor, move on. You know, you can start mingling and dabbling. Well, we welcome all of our guests this morning. And we're so grateful that you're here this morning, and we thank God for you. And I will say this sincerely, if there's anything at all that we can do as a church or any way, shape, or form, we can work with you in helping you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please do not hesitate to ask us. We are here for you, and you are, you are just top-notch to us because we know God brought you here in the way that he did. So um, Deborah, um, Doreth, and Juan... God brought you here, and you're here uh, as his guest, and so we will treat you special as you should be. So please, whatever you need, don't hesitate to ask us. Amen. Well, it's time to get in the Word of God. Anybody ready to get in the Word of God? Good to see you this morning, Brother Rowan. Almost came for you with my belt. Rowan worked me. I don't know why he just insists on working me so hard. Can you let me not work so hard, Brother Rohan? Yeah, try a little bit better so I don't have to work so hard because you make me work hard. I mean, I don't mind working hard, but my goodness, you make me work hard. But I'm so glad this morning that I see you so I don't have to put in any extra work this week. (laughs) I don't have to put in any extra work this week, Rohan. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. Amen. We greet our online congregation 
they are so faithful and we're so grateful that God has expanded the Christ in the church family that every time we get together, we can be here in person and we can be together by virtual stream. And so we are grateful for that and we thank God for that. Amen. Well, don't want to keep you long, so let's get into the word of God this morning. If you'll stand with me and turn your Bible or your device or you can look on the projector screen. That's probably the easiest thing to do to Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah chapter 6, and we're going to start in verse number 1, Isaiah chapter 6, verse number 1, amen, hallelujah, all right, well, let us read in Isaiah chapter 6, verse number 1, the word of God says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims, each one had six wings, with twain he covered his face, and with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried. And the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from off the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo! This had touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thine sin is purged. Also, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then said I, Here I am, send me. Lord, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you for what we have experienced in this house. You are so gracious and you're so kind to us, Lord. You said if we ask, it shall be given to us. You said if we seek, we shall find. And if we knock, the door shall be opened unto us. And Lord, as we had petitioned you to meet us and to show up in a special way this morning, you have done just that. And, oh, God, I am so in awe of you and so grateful unto you that I ask that your will be done even so right now in this service. And that, Lord, your anoint, you will anoint me and use me as your oracle to speak your word with boldness, with authority. And, oh, God, that the word of God that go out, it will not return unto you void. Touch the hearing of the hearers, that, Lord, they will hear what the Spirit is saying unto them. 
I pray, Lord God, that one more time there will be a supernatural move of your power in this place before we walk out of here. That change will come to our life and we will never be the same again. In Jesus' name we pray. Let everyone say amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you so much. Yes, we're working, Jordan. Appreciate Jordan. Jordan, we appreciate you. Appreciate all that you do, son. You're doing a good job. He sent me a note to remind me that don't forget there's a ladies' conference this weekend. So ladies, please uh, carve out some time to go to the ladies' conference this weekend. See my wife. She will give you great details and um, help you to get there if you need to need help, assistance in getting there. We want you to participate and get involved in as much godly things as possible. I want to talk to you this morning on this topic. You will be known or you will know yourself by seeing Jesus. You will know yourself by seeing Jesus. Tell your neighbor, you will know yourself. By seeing Jesus. Tell your neighbor, you need to know yourself. (laughs) You need to know yourself. A lot of times we think we know who we are and we do our thing because in our mind we think we know ourselves. But how many times, I don't know, I teach in the prison so I, I, I can say this for sure. There are people that are locked up in jail today for a crime they did not think they would have committed. So there's oftentimes people think they know themselves. But they end up doing things that they didn't think they would do. So it apparently means you don't really know yourself like you think you know yourself. But it's important that we come to know ourselves. It's very important that we come to know ourselves. And so I challenge you today that before you leave here, you will have an opportunity to know yourself. Because God will help you with that today. Times of political turbulence in a nation can make its citizens uneasy. In the United States, instead of Democrats and Republicans working together in service to the nation, it seems the chasm between them widens daily. Other events in American history have generated similar uncertainty, political instability, and even fear. The bombing of Pearl Harbor in 1941 is one of those events. The assassination of the United States President John F. Kennedy was one of those events. The resignation of United States President Richard M. Nixon was one of those events. And the 9-11 terrorist attack on the World Trade Center and Pentagon is another event that brings political unrest, that that brings fear 
that brings a time where you feel uncomfortable. The opening of Isaiah chapter 6 informs us of Judas, one of the nation in Israel, of Judah's political climate by noting that Judah had suffered a national tragedy. King Uzziah had died. This event would be comparable to some of the national tragedies we mentioned earlier. Uzziah became king at the age of 16 and ruled for 52 years. Three generations of Judah would have known Uzziah as king. Additionally, Uzziah was a relative good king. I mean, he wasn't perfect. He didn't ever do everything right, but he was decent. His rule increased national security by fortifying the regions and removing many of Judah's enemies. Judah's enemies may have seen Uzziah's death as an opportunity or an opportune time to attack the nation, magnifying the fear of Israel. And so when Uzziah died, it, it brought about political unrest. For as king, they were now fearful, uneasy, wondering what's going on. And here their enemy is now taking this opportunity to say, maybe we can attack them now. Their king, their leader is now gone. And before they can get another leader in place, let's attack. Church, I'm here to tell you this morning, whether or not you believe in the devil, there is a real devil. And when you are not focused on God and you're concerned about the political things and you're concerned about racism and you're concerned about all of the things that cause us to be uneasy, that causes us to be fearful as men and women of God, that's an opportune time for Satan, the devil, to come and attack you and try to destroy you. I'm not telling you not to be concerned about uh, racial injustice. I'm not telling you not to be concerned about the political things that go on that make you uneasy. I'm not telling you not to be concerned about some of the things that are happening in our world. What I am telling you is don't let it be more important than your focus on Jesus. Because if it is more important than your focus on Jesus, the devil can come in and attack you in a way that will destroy your life. It's not God's will and intent for your life to be destroyed. But God can only help you when you look to him. What we like to do a lot of times is tell God, God, why don't you do something about this? And God is saying, no, when you want me to do something about it, when you care about it, then I'll care about it. Because if God try to help you when you don't want to get help, then what? You ever thought about that? Why would God help us when we don't want help? But we, we put that responsibility on him. Why don't he do blah, blah, blah? Because we don't want it. 
if you read your Bible carefully, especially in the New Testament, you find me a place in the Bible where somebody called out to Jesus and he ignored them. So anytime you really want him to do something, anytime you really want him to, 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 to help, he's going to help, but you have to want it. So you got to always pay attention to him if you want him to keep helping you as opposed to letting the things that's going on around you to cause you to be distracted. Because when you get distracted, you are going to find yourself in a place that is not good. Let me tell you, in 2020, all of what we have gone through, the pandemic, racial injustice and political uh, unrest, all of what we've gone through have caused a lot of good Christian people to just have sunk low, low spiritually. Because their focus went on everything else except for where it needs to be. And so a lot of people have experienced really, really low spiritual connection with God. And so I'm here to tell you this morning, we should be at a place by now where we can feel comfortable about I need to get my focus back on Jesus. I need, I need to refocus on Jesus. I, re, I really need to refocus on his plans for my life. I need to refocus on what he's doing in our lives and not be distracted. Because when I get distracted, my enemy is watching me and looking for a way to slide in. Your enemy is the devil. Your enemy is not another human being. Your enemy is not your neighbor. Your enemy is not your family member. Your enemy is nothing or no one but Satan, the devil. That's the only enemy you have. People are not your enemy. Don't look at people when they do things like they're your enemy. The same enemy that's against you is against them. And he is going to use whoever he can use. So if someone is having a weak moment, your enemy will use that person's weak moment to attack you. So don't, don't, don't blame people because people are not your enemy. The devil is your enemy. And he's working behind the scenes to mess your life up. And the only way you're going to be able to combat it is make sure you put your focus on Jesus. The vision that Isaiah had, there's three things that, that, that came to his mind right away as he began to look on the vision. Three things that was immediately significant about his vision. First is the setting of the vision. What kind of setting was it? The vision was set in what Isaiah called the temple, what we would call today the church house. Mm -hmm. So the vision was set in, in, the, in the temple. It disappeared to refer to Judah's temple that was constructed by Solomon. This temple was central to Judah's identity and was their national treasure. National treasure. Furthermore, the temple was the most sacred place in all of Judah. For it is where the place where God met with his people. 
their temple is like our church today. Now, you can take it further and you know that later on our body became the temple. But, but, but for sake of understanding, their temple is like our church house for us today. And to them, their place of worship was the most sacred place in their nation. The house of the Lord was the most sacred place in their nation. I think, church, that we might have lost something in that area, not understanding that the house of the Lord is the most sacred place in any nation. Until we begin to understand the house of the Lord is the most sacred place in any nation, we're going to miss out on what God wants to do in our life. Because the house of the Lord, hear me, when God told them to build a temple, here is why he says, build it, for that's where I will meet you. So for God, and supposed to be for us, the people of God, the house of the Lord The church house, the temple, if you will, is ordained by God, for that's the place he is designing and has designed and has ordained for his people to come and meet with him. That's why you saw what happened here this morning. (laughs) This is why you saw them running and jumping and dancing and crying and clapping and shouting and all that they were doing because why? He established this place in this firehouse. He established this room as his temple for where he will meet his people. And this morning, he has certainly verified, confirmed, and affirmed that this is his house. And here is where he will meet his people. The house of God is supposed to be the most sacred place in any nation. Not even going to get into the old political stuff about how they shut down churches. Churches should be treated like hospitals. Whatever the rules are for hospitals, same rules for church. It's just that simple. Hospitals, they deal with the physical man. Church, they deal with the spiritual man. And you want to hear something, church? We are so even more superior to the hospital that it will blow your mind. Because here is the truth of the matter. Every person in this world will physically die one day. But your invisible soul will never die. And that's what the church ministers to. So go figure out now if the government is in order when they put the church in whatever the categories that they put in church. No bueno. Not good. Because people's soul need to be ministered to. I guarantee if you go check in 2020, go check the suicide rate and go check the addiction rate. See if that went up or not. I know it went up. I didn't even go check the statistics, but I just know people and I know the word of God. So I'm sure suicide rate and and the addiction rate went up big time during 2020 because guess what? They did not have access, many of them, to come into the church house. 
They didn't have access to come in because the Bible says, if there's any sick among you, he says, anoint them with oil and lay hands on them and call for the elders of the church to pray and the prayers of faith will heal them. So when we come together, there's something that God will do in the midst and the power of God will move and do things. People can get delivered in a church service from addiction. People can get healed from sickness in a church service. People can be restored from a bad situation in a church service. And when you don't have access to that, it is trouble for our nation. We are taking this thing too light. The temple was everything to them. And here we are taking this light like no big deal. Whenever I can get there, I get there. It was reassuring for Isaiah to observe God in the temple during a national tragedy. Mm -hmm. The second thing that he picked up in his vision, he saw a throne in the temple. Solomon's temple, ironically, had no such throne. So here he is, Isaiah, seeing this vision and seeing this throne in this temple. But he's saying in his mind, hold on, why is that throne there? Because there's no throne like that in the temple that we know. And so Uzziah's throne was not positioned in any temple, in the temple like that. And so to him, that took him by surprise, that, 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 that part of the vision. Mm-hmm. However, in the vision... Isaiah saw the throne as a symbol of governing authority in the temple, which was the location of religious authority. So in the throne, in, a, in, a, in, in, in the way they set up their temple, you have an area where the government sits and you have an area where the religious people sit. They're separated. Church and state. Uh-huh. So, so they're separated. But here's the thing. They work together, but they're separate. So leaders who are leading the religious things are different from the leaders who are leading the governmental things. But the two should work together. Right? That's how it should be. But who knows? God not only preside over their government, but he also showed them he preside over their faith, their religious lifestyle. And when we get God in our life, again, we had this political unrest, worried about all this stuff. But if we would get God in our life, we would just pray and say, God, you know all, what do you want me to do? Just like I told people about the coronavirus, we have so many people are saying, you know, they, they, you don't want to put anything in your body, that's going to mess with your body and blah, 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 blah. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost just hit me up. You ready for what the Holy Ghost just hit me up on? They say they so hypocritical. They put drugs and alcohol in their body. They put marijuana in their body. They put all these stuff in their body. And now they want to be cynical and say the government is coming up with stuff to mess up their body. Holy Ghost just put that in my ear. Holy Ghost put it in my ear. So they, 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 they so hypocritical. They want to put what they want to put in their body, and that's just what it comes down to. So if they want to put alcohol and drugs in their body, they're okay with it. But they got a problem with the vaccine. 
Remember what I said Thursday. Let me just make it simple for everybody. I prayed and the Lord didn't tell me not to get the vaccine. I prayed and he gave me the green light to go. But let me tell you this. It really doesn't matter to me one way or another because I believe in the word of God so strongly. This is what the word of God says. To me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. God called me for a purpose and it's up to him if he's all powerful like he say he is, which I know he is. I don't care what I put in my body. If I did it by mistake, guess what? He's going to keep on carrying me through so I can complete his purpose. What am I worrying about this? Why are we worrying about this stuff? Not to mention, here's the real truth of the matter. If I really believe the word of God like I really believe it, death is better than living in this world. Now, people don't want to amen that, but that's okay. If I really believe the word of God like I really believe it, death is better than this world. Because death means I'm in the presence of God. And death means no more pain, no more sorrow, no more hurting, no more seeing the drudgery of people just destroying their life. I won't have to deal with that if I'm dead and in the presence of God. So you tell me what's better. So why am I worrying about anything? So this is why sometimes you got to, when you, when you understand God and you walk by faith and you live by the Spirit of God, sometimes you hear some stuff and you're just like, mm, that's just you having your little soapbox that you want to get on. Go ahead and get on it and just let them get on it and let them talk and keep it moving because some of the stuff is not adding up. It don't make sense. We just want to do what we want to do. That's why many of us aren't living for God because we just want to do what we want to do. And when we're doing it, we always try to come up with some crazy reason as to why we're doing what we're doing. Yeah, man. Got to watch the government. You know, they be trying to put stuff in your body. Yeah, you weren't saying that last week, but you was putting stuff in your body. That's you, though, huh? You can put the stuff in, but you ain't letting the government put it in. I got you, bro. I got you. In chapter 5 of Isaiah, <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just saying, you see how God give you wisdom? This is what it is so sweet to live for God. Never is so sweet to live for God. When you live for him, he gives you understanding. He gives you wisdom. He gives you clarity. He guides you in the direction that you must go in. It's just it's such a blessing to live for God. Because then you will see all the foolishness. You know, you're only for God. You, 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 you kind of get caught up in the foolishness. <laughs> and so in chapter 5 of Isaiah, the prophet offered several different woes. As a matter of fact, it was six woes to be exact. In chapter 5, right before chapter 6. The use of woe was prophetic lingo for a curse or a doom against someone or against a nation so when a prophet came to you and says woe unto you you're in trouble Mm -hmm. however the opposite of woe is best demonstrated by the term blessed are thou so when a prophet comes and says blessed art thou that's real good stuff But when the prophet comes and says, woe unto you, not good stuff. As a matter of fact, 
when Jesus was on the scene here in the earth, in the Beatitudes, he said, blessed are they that hunger and thirst. Blessed, and he goes on. Blessed are the meek, and he goes on. But he also did say, woe unto the scribes and the Pharisees. Uh huh. So woe is not good. Blessed, obviously, is good. When Isaiah experienced the catastrophic event of the temple vision, he announced a new woe. So the six woes that he spoke in chapter 5, now here comes the seventh woe in chapter 6. All the six woes that he spoke in chapter 5 were about the nations and other people. I hope you just for it. You go to chapter 5, all the woes that he said in chapter 5 were against the nations and against people. Woe unto the nation that blah, 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 blah. Woe unto the people that blah, blah, blah. So he pronounced woe upon them. But in this vision that he got where he saw Jesus, this woe was unto himself. Not only did Isaiah equate himself with a woe, but he also stated he was undone, which can also mean doom or ruined. Besides being undone, Isaiah cited another reason for his woeful utterance. He was unclean. Isaiah said his lips were unclean and the lips of his people were unclean. Church, I'm here to tell you, when you get a vision of who Jesus is and you see him in his holy state sitting on his throne, you realize, whoa, it's me. I'm not as good as I thought. Whoa, it's me. I'm not as clean as I thought. Whoa, it's me. I'm not who I thought I was when you get a good vision of who Jesus is. Yeah. And so when we go around thinking we something and we're this and we're that because we haven't gotten a vision of Jesus yet. Because when you get a vision of Jesus you'll be like Isaiah. Oh God. Unfortunately what we do I feel bad for us, how we live our life. You've heard me say this before, how we live our life. We walk around and we look until we can find somebody we can compare ourselves to that we can be in our mind. That's our mind. That's what I'm saying our mind. Yeah. I look sharper than him. Mm-hmm. My car nicer than his. Uh-huh. I live in a better neighborhood than him. Uh-huh. I went to a better college than he did. Uh-huh. And I got a higher position in my job than he does. Uh-huh. And then we just keep comparing ourselves to that person that we got locked in on. Living our life. And from that point on, when we move around, we just look at people that we feel like, oh, yeah, I'm good. I'm doing, I'm doing good because I'm doing better than her. You know, we just keep living our life. I'm doing good. Please look at me. Look at them. And I don't even know if it's something that we realize we're doing. We're just going about our ways every day. Oh, I'm not doing that bad because look at them. 
Oh. And we just live our life like that for a long time. And we say, yeah, you know, I mean, I mind my own business. I, yeah, but you're walking around looking at everyone else that you can compare yourself to to make yourself feel better. Because all of us want to feel good. Me and you and everybody. We want to feel good. So we look for different ways to make ourselves feel good. And one of the things we do is make look around and see who we feel like we're doing better than as far as individuals are concerned. And we don't even realize it's killing us. We just think, okay, I'm not doing bad. So instead of us thinking that we're messed up, we think we're doing good because we keep comparing ourselves to others that we think we're doing better than. Uh-huh. When Isaiah said his lips were unclean, he was saying he was inappropriate and unqualified for his prophetic ministry. Here is a prophet, man of God, that God chose. I got to get home to you now because sometimes you hear me, but you don't hear me. But hear this. This is a man of God, a prophet that God chose and God is using. The things that he was prophesying were happening. He was a man of God, and everybody knew he was the prophet of God. Bad dude. As a matter of fact, one of the most eloquent of all the prophets, if you read about the prophets in the book, Isaiah was eloquent. And so, when he realized and got a glimpse of who God is, he realized, oh, snap, why am I even doing this? How in the world am I a prophet? I am unclean, unfit, no good, can't do this job. Can you imagine? Everybody in the world thinks you're the greatest and you're the man of God and you're close to God because the things that you say, it's coming to pass because God is using you and you're doing all of that. And everybody thought you're the greatest. And then you get a glimpse of God and said, oh, snap. I am the worst. Unclean. Unqualified. Messed up. That's how it is when you get a glimpse of God. No matter how great you think you are, no matter how great you think you're doing, you're really not. But here is what I like about God. God knew Isaiah had issues, but he still called him. God knew Isaiah had stuff wrong with him, but he still used him. God knew Isaiah needed some more work done within him, but God still made him look great in front of people. That's how much God is so good. We say it all the time, God is good. You have no clue how good God is. He called a man and made him look good in front of everybody, even though he still has some issues going on. And so I want to tell you this morning. Because you're still going, and because you're in the house of God, and because God has shown you some goodness, and because you feel like you're blessed, it doesn't mean you're all good. It's still, you still may need some work done by God. Me 
number one. <laughs> me, number one. I don't care if you think you got it going on. I'm telling you, when you get a glimpse of Jesus, you realize, God, you're so good. Because why would you even think about blessing me? Why would you even think about using me? Why would you even think of letting people see me like this when I'm just no good? I just want to run in a corner and hide. When you see Jesus, you just want to run in the corner and hide because you realize how holy he is and how corrupt you are. But God is so good to us that he's saying, I don't expect you to be perfect. (laughs) This is why he says we need to become complete in Christ. He's not asking you to be perfect. He's just saying, obey me. Come as I call you and do what I tell you because I got a plan for your life and I will work things out in you that you would not even imagine. So here is the true church. We can't come into God's house where he is ordained for us to come and stand on the sidelines. We got to get involved because it's when you get involved that you will get to know, oh, what's wrong with you. That's when you will get to know yourself is when you get involved because when you get involved, God at some point in time will reveal himself to you. You will get a vision of him. You will come to a place where you will get a revelation of who he is. And all of a sudden you're going to realize, oh, my goodness, I am not even worthy of doing this. But he's going to say, don't worry, Tony. Don't worry, my son. I called you anyhow. Didn't I put you in that position? Didn't I give you that ability? Didn't I lead you? Didn't I provide for you? I love you. I'm not showing you your flaws because I have a problem with you. I'm showing you your flaws to make you better. And so God is trying to show us our flaws so we can be better. He's not trying to show us our flaws So we can be worse. But you can't know these things unless you get to see Jesus. It's only by seeing him will you get the revelation of what's wrong with you. (laughs) The only way you get to see him and you get to see what's wrong with you. If you never get to see him. You're going to think you're okay. (laughs) The worst thing we can be is think we're okay when we're not. That's not good. You know what they say about people that are battling addiction? If they can't admit that they have an addiction, they will never get free from it. That's the real first beginning stage is saying, yes, I have a problem. It, It starts with, yes, I have a problem. You don't think you have a problem? Then the problem don't go anywhere. (laughs) In that moment when Isaiah had the vision of, of, of Jesus sitting on his throne in the temple, in that moment, Isaiah finally got a glimpse of who Jesus is. He was prophesying. He was the prophet of God. What do you mean, preacher? Here is what I mean. Many of us will conjure up from what we read, from what we hear preached, of what we think God 
is life. And so we go around with this image and these thoughts about who God is to us. And we're like working that in our life. This is how we see God. This is how we feel God is. And it could be erroneous. When Isaiah see God in the vision, he says, whoa. Isaiah wasn't seeing God for how Isaiah thought God was. Isaiah saw God for who God really was and is. We need to see God for who he really is, not what we think in our mind. I made mention of this, and I guess I'll make mention of it again. I made mention last week, start last Thursday, I said, if we really want to see change take place in our life, Find some of the hard sayings in the Bible that you have read and you almost want to believe the Bible ain't right because you read that scripture. Turn the other cheek. You know, love your neighbor as yourself. You know, there's just some hard sayings and you're like, that's not the Bible true. You know, whenever you read the, the sayings of the Bible that seems to be hard, first thing come to your mind, well, maybe man did write the Bible. And all you really need to do is pray and say, God, I'm not doing that. That seems very hard. Can you help me to do that? Because if it's in your word, I want to do it. How about we just do that and stop saying, oh, I don't know about the Bible. You only believe what you like. That only makes sense to believe what you like. Uh-huh. You just believe what you like. Uh-huh. When we come to see God, we will know ourselves. Isaiah not only learned who God was, Isaiah also learned who he was. Mm -hmm. We can only really know ourselves in relation to God. We are created in the image of God, God's fingerprints are literally all over us. We cannot understand the purpose of our lives without knowing who made us. You can go ahead and be something special in this world, but it might not be what you were created to do. I want to please the one who created me, not the people that he created. (laughs) But we're special. God placed his hands on us. And shape us and mold us. One unique feature that separates human from other created things is the ability for us to create. Uh huh. Since we are made like God, the ability to create is something inherent within us from God. Artists, inventors, authors, architects, musicians, performers, directors, and many others, they're all creators. God gave us that. But it doesn't mean that we're all right. We still need to see him. Mm -hmm. Once self is known, it can be owned. Once self is known, it can be owned. Our actions are all over the place and we're out of control because we don't know self, so we can't own self. You're doing things you didn't think you would do. You're out of control sometimes because you don't know you. 
And the only way you come to know you is by seeing him. And you will never know you until you see him. And when you see him, then you will begin to get a revelation of who you are now. And when you come to know you, you can own you. Upon seeing God, Isaiah understood his own uncleanness. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you ever stop and think you can do this. And, 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 and prayers you can pray, God, I don't like that about me. Where did that bad habit come from? Is it inherent? Is it a family thing? What happened, Lord? Is it something I picked up on my own along the way? Can you show me where did this come from so you can help me not to do this anymore? Those are, those are prayers you can pray. You got to see some things in you and realize that's not good, but it's okay. Once you can see it and recognize it and acknowledge it, then go ahead and talk to God. Let him help you. God recognized what Isaiah was going through when Isaiah saw Jesus. God said, Lord, he didn't say this. I'm just, I'm just saying this. You know, I like to say what God was thinking. <laughs> I like to mess with God. God probably looked at Isaiah and said, look at the boy. The boy is ruined now that I've shown him who he really is. <laughs> God probably like, look at the boy. He's wounded. He is messed up now that he can really see who he is. Immediately following Isaiah's confession that, woe, it's me, a man of unclean lips. An angel retrieved the burning coal from the altar. The angel then pressed the coal to Isaiah's lips and stated, this had touched thy lips and thine iniquity is taken away and thy sin purged. God only show you your flaws and your issues and your weaknesses so he can remove it. You don't even realize it's a blessing and you think God is being mean and you think God is treating me wrong. But when God show you who you are, it's a blessing because whatever is wrong with you, he is going to remove it out of you because you can see. We don't understand this thing. We think God is being mean when he shows up our flaws, when he shows us how we need to improve ourselves. We think, God, why are you doing this? But what he's doing is loving you. But you don't know. You only know one kind of love. Only one kind of love. You only want to know the love of just always showing you goodness. Let me just always do this. Let me always do what you want. That's the only love you know. When you do what I want, that, then, then that means you love me. You don't do the stuff I want you to do, you don't love me. It don't work like that. Let me go on. That's not this Sarah. That, we, did that, we did that Friday and Saturday, right, Sarah? We did that Friday and Saturday. Let's see again. God recognized there was a wound in Isaiah. And had the angel place the coal on his lips. And after this process, that wound was healed. God wants to heal your wound. God wants to heal you. Whatever is wrong in your life, God wants to fix it. But remember what I said when I first started. You have to want that too. Because if you don't want it, he won't do it. It's a waste of time to do something, give somebody something they don't want. You know, it's like sometimes we go out and we talk to people about the Lord and we say, hey, you know, 
We want to let you know that Jesus loves you. And here's a, you know, a, 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 a postcard, you know, with all of our church's information and invitation for you to come and be with us. And if you give it to them and they don't and they say, no, I don't want it. Don't give it to them. Because if you make them take it, they'll take it. And when you're not looking. That's our nature. So why would God try to come and do something for us when we really don't want it? Come on now. So so let's stop blaming God for not doing what you think he's supposed to do. Because the bottom line is the big question is, do we want it as a nation? Do we want God? Or do we want God to do what we want him to do? Because the moment God starts doing what we want him to do, he's no longer God. We're God. So everything we want as a nation, well, God, why don't you intervene and do this? And why are you allowing this? Are you God now? Because the bottom line is God wants to do stuff, but we don't want him doing it. Because what God is going to always say is, I require all. Of you, not some of you, and we not up for that. He says, I gave my whole life on Calvary's cross. You think I want some of you when I gave all of myself? I don't want some of you. I want all of you. So if we're going to get into a relationship and we're going to have exchange, I need all of you because I'm giving you all of me. And that's where we say, whoa, 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 God, that's just too much. Remember I told you a couple weeks ago, I said, we don't want God because he gets too much in our business. That's the real reason. And we don't want to, we don't want to, you know, we, you, you get God, and he get it all up in your business. He get personal. And we don't like that. So that's why many of us are like, let me just be casual with God. It's pretty good to go into the house of God. I feel pretty good when I leave there. And, you know, it's a good thing to go to church. And so we do that kind of stuff, but we never go too far because we don't want God in our business. After Isaiah heard the voice of the Lord, whom shall I send and who will go? After all of this happened, God said to Isaiah, okay, I still need work done, Isaiah. Who shall I send? God could have just said, why don't you go, Isaiah? But again, God asked the question. Because if you don't want to do it, why would I tell you to do it? He asked him, who shall I send? And Isaiah said, send me. Send me, Lord. By owning his own brokenness, he was able to continue in his prophetic ministry. I'm finishing up here. When you come to see Jesus, you come to know yourself. When you come to know yourself, you're going to see things about yourself that you don't like. But when you own that and you go before God owning that, God can heal you and deliver you from that. And what God will do is take you to another level in the ministry that he started you in anyway. He started Isaiah out as a prophet, but then he elevated the status, said, not just you're going to prophesy here, but you're going to prophesy there and there and there because you saw me and I revealed to you your flaws and you owned it. And when you owned it, 
I came and delivered you from it and then healed you from it. And so now you can go on and do things even greater than you have done. God wants us to understand that if we can see him, we will get a glimpse of some things about us. We will come to know ourselves and really realize what we're all about. And we don't have to hide from uh, our, our flaws and our mistakes. I fully believe. I think in my own way, in my little experience in living for God, I believe God has worked tremendously in my life because I never was shady or trying to hide anything that God exposed in my life or anything that I've done. When God showed me that I'm wrong, I don't go hide and I don't go try to act like it don't happen or whatever. I just acknowledge it and I go to him about it and I talk to him about it and he has delivered me and healing me and strengthened me and he can do the same for you. But you got to get a glimpse of him. And when you get a glimpse of him, you got to own who you are when he shows you who you are. And so here I go. I close. The third thing I told you that was part of the setting of the vision that Isaiah saw that I told you I would say toward the end. That's the final thing I'm going to mention to you here. Here's the third thing. When Isaiah describe God he noted that God was sitting on a throne this is in the Old Testament he noticed God was sitting on a throne the first question I have for you is this how can a spirit sit on a throne huh do you have the answer how can a spirit sit on a throne matter of fact how why would a spirit need to sit So if Isaiah saw the Lord sitting on a throne, he didn't see a spirit sitting on a throne. He saw the Lord, the man, sitting on the throne. As a matter of fact, I tease people all the time. I says, you know, if God is just the spirit, how are you going to see him when you get to heaven? But this helps us right here because Isaiah was in the Old Testament prophesying that he saw God sitting on a throne. And if God is sitting on a throne, it meant he saw the person, the man, Christ Jesus, who is God Almighty manifest. Uh huh. One must have a body to sit. Revelation 4 and 8 through 11 records a similar event. Christians understand that in Revelation 4, 8 through 11, Jesus is sitting on the throne. Isaiah saw into the future and saw Jesus on the throne. Jesus gave Isaiah his commission and equipped him for the task. This same Jesus works in Christian believers today willingly. And if we will just emulate Isaiah, we will have God working in our life. But we must own who he reveals to us that we are. All of our flaws, all of our brokenness. We have to own it and not try to hide it from God. Let me tell you something as I close here. When we try to hide our flaws that God reveals to us, when we try to hide it, we will never improve ourselves. If you try to hide your flaws and what's wrong in your life, you will never improve yourself. 
you might fool yourself and, and tell yourself you're improving because you're doing other things that you think is improvement. But the other things is for man, not for God. So a lot of times you you think that you are improving yourself, but you're really not. But when we hide our flaws from God, not that you can, but you hide it from yourself because God revealed it to you and you ignore it. When we when we don't recognize it and we hide it, we cannot improve ourselves. We do not get better in who we are if we ignore and hide our flaws and our faults and our wrong. We cannot be delivered, nor can we utterly be healed if we hide our flaws and our weaknesses for who we are. So we need not to hide them. Because every one of us have them. And so... Hiding your flaws is a pride thing. And if, as you continue to hide your flaws, pride is living in you. And a prideful person will never get to heaven. A prideful person will never really fulfill their purpose in life. A prideful person will never get in a good, right relationship with Jesus Christ. You don't need to hide your flaws. Because here's the final thing I'm going to say about you hiding your flaws. When you hide your flaws, church, you hinder people from knowing the power of God. God wants people to know he can deliver them. God wants people to know he can heal them. God wants people to know he can transform their life. God wants people to know he can restore their life. But if you never show the flaws and then show how God has corrected those things, how will other people know God can do those things? So if you walk with God and you get to see him and he shows you, you're mean. Acknowledge it and smile and say, whoa. It's me. <laughs> but God, I know just like how you were able to get that stuff out of Isaiah, that, 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 that judgmental spirit, because that's what Isaiah probably was. He was judgmental because he thought that because God called him to, to prophesy to people and tell them about what God will do, he thought he was better than them. And so God says, I know I used you to prophesy, but let me see you're not you're no different from them <laughs> then he said whoa it's me but when God show you who you are and you own it when he work his work in your life other people will get to experience the power of the gospel they will get to experience the power of Jesus because they will know that you had some issues here and you kept walking with God. And now that issue is no longer an issue. But a lot of times, so many people have walked away from God because when the real them was exposed, they came up with whatever. They don't even realize it was pride. Because now that people know something bad about you and you want to go run and hide, that's pride. That's pride. Because you wanted people to think you were perfect. 
And now that you got exposed, you, 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 you don't know what to do. So your pride kick in and say, hey, when all God is trying to do is fix it. God is trying to do what he did for Isaiah. Show us something that we can get it right. You know, you know who else he did that to? We read about all the time. Job. Job was awesome. But, but because God is interested in making us complete, God is not interested in us being partially made up. God wants us to be completely whole. He wants us to be complete in him. So no matter how good we think we are right now, how good we think we're doing right now, God is saying, still got some more to go. You still can be better. And that's what God is calling us to. Let's stand. You will know yourself by seeing Jesus. Oh, yes, you will. And so before we go today, I'll pray for you and I want you to pray for yourself that God, let me see you so I can see me. God, let me see you so you can see. Let me see you so I can see me. Isn't that interesting? That's the prayer that we need to pray today. God, let me see you so I can see me. Because I'm just not seeing me the way I need to see me. But let me see you today, Lord. For if I see you today, I will see me. Just like Isaiah was able to see you, then he saw himself, Lord. I know, Lord, that if I see you today, I will see me. Let's bow our heads. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ. We're grateful for your word. We're thankful for your word. And, oh, God, this morning, this afternoon, Lord, we pray that you'll have your way in our hearts, in our minds, in our spirits. For, Lord, we realize that you have great things in store for every one of us individually and collectively. We know you have great things in store for us. And, oh, God, we realize that if we're going to be better, if we're going to walk in our calling, if we're going to walk in our purpose, if we're going to fulfill, oh God, the purpose in which we were created for, then Lord, we must see you so we can see ourselves. And then when we see ourselves, we will know where we need to improve and what we need to do better and how we need to live for you better. I pray this afternoon, Lord God, that you will help us in the name of Jesus Christ. Oh God, to see ourselves for who we really are and not deceive ourselves and not, Lord God, to think of ourselves to be more than who we really are. But I pray this afternoon, Lord God, that change will come to us because of the vision that you will give us of who you are so we can see who we are. I thank you today, Lord God, for allowing us to come into this sacred place, this place that you have established and allowed us to come together to meet you, to have fellowship with you, to worship you. Oh, God, to be able to receive instructions from you, Lord God. I thank you today, Lord God, for allowing us this great privilege, allowing us, Lord God, to be in your presence, to worship you together, to praise you together, Lord. Lord, and to magnify you together. I pray, almighty God, that none of us uh, will leave this place the same way, uh, but that change, Lord God, will take place deep within us, uh, and that we will come to know the good and the bad about us, Lord God, uh, and we will allow 
going to do in us that, Lord, your will be done. I pray today in the name of Jesus Christ that, Lord, you will cleanse our soul. And, God, that you will help us and strengthen us, Lord, to be who we are in Christ Jesus. That our desire will be the things of God and not the things of this world. I pray today, Lord God, that the blessings of the Lord will continue to flow in our lives, Almighty God. And that you will strengthen us, Lord God, and that we will draw nigh unto you. That we will grow closer to you as a people, Lord God, as a church, Lord God. Have your way, Lord Jesus. Not my will, but thine will be done today, Lord God. For those that have joined us, Lord God, virtually online, our online congregation, Lord God, I pray the blessings of God. Wherever you are right now, if you will just lift your hands and ask God to help you and ask God to reveal himself to you. God will reveal himself to you so you can see yourself. Oh, God, have your way today. We bless your name, Lord Jesus. Oh, Jesus, we love you. Oh, God, have your way today. Not our will, but your will be done. We want to fulfill your joy. We want to please you, and we want to live out our purpose in you, Lord God. Show us who we are, Lord, that we can see and embrace it, Lord God, and walk with you. Lord, bless us today. Lord, let your will be done today, oh God. Oh, Father, we thank you. We praise you. And we, oh God, adore you. Have your way, Jesus. Come on, somebody. Let God have his way. Let God have his way in your life. Before you walk out of here today, give him your heart. Give him your mind. Give him yourself today and let him do what he wants to do. He will do just what's best for you. He will do what's right, what's perfect for you. Trust the Lord with all your heart today. If you've never given your life to him, today is the day you can give your life. You can be saved to the taking of your sins. Being baptized in Jesus' name and being filled with his spirit. Today can be your day. Surrender your life to Jesus. Give him your heart. Give him your mind and your soul. And let his will be done. Walk with Jesus. Talk with Jesus. Oh, Lord, I thank you for your presence. I thank you for your presence. Oh, God, bless your people today. Strengthen your people today, Lord God. Let your people free today, Lord God, and heal your people today. I pray for your healing today. If you need a healing emotionally, spiritually, physically, lift your hands today, and I'll pray a healing for you. Father, for every person who needs a healing today, I pray that you will heal them, that you will touch them from the crown of their head to the sole of their feet. I pray that you will heal them. I pray that you will make them whole in the name of Jesus Christ. And that spiritually, Lord God, they will receive a touch from you, never ever to be the same again, Lord. I pray that the power of the Holy Ghost will overshadow them and consume them, that their lives will be saved. Oh, thank you, 
about him, church. It's all about his plan. It's all about Jesus. The center of this church. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Jesus the center of your church. Yes, Lord. Every knee will bow. Every tongue shall confess you, Jesus. Yes, say that name. Jesus, Jesus, be the 
Somebody give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Somebody glorify his name. We thank you, Lord. We bless your name. God bless you, sir.